What up? Welcome in Cannabis Insider here with Elliot Lane and Javier Haas. If you are watching live, thanks for tuning in and appreciate you. Drop your comments in the chat. We love to take your questions and give them to our guests. We are in week Verano. That's what we're calling this week. Week Verano. Uh, W-E-A-K. I can talk. I need to need to slow down a bit. But today we have three awesome guests, two of which are from Verano. Uh, we are going to be bringing on Darren Weiss and Aaron Miles, uh, chat about their uplisting of SIBO. It's going to be very, very exciting. Or relisting? Uplisting? Javier, what is it? Which listing is it? Uh, I would say both. Both? Say okay. Relisting and an uplisting. It, it's not an uplisting yeah, in the like traditional sense of uplisting because uplisting usually implies moving, as far as I understand it, you know, moving from a smaller exchange to a bigger exchange within the same country. Well, this is two things. One, a new listing in Canada. Two, an uplisting if we consider NEO to be a better option than OTC, which is debatable. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I would say the debate wouldn't take too long. Um, but that being said, Javi, thank you for that insight. We're going to let them tell us their thoughts on it as well. Then we're going to bring on a cool company we've not had on yet, uh, Inthia. Inthia. We're going to have Cameron Quigley on from Inthia and Sherry. Uh, going to be awesome, awesome content today. But Aaron Thomas, as always, let's get started. All right, my friend, we are going to keep news short today because as always on every Tuesday, we begin with our good friend from Poseidon Investment Management, Morgan Paxi, about Javier, anything pressing on your mind? You just got to talk. I mean, not really, just a bunch of like curious uh, stories like, you know, uh, a study looking into the connection of yoga and cannabis, Uh, another one uh, talking about how processed foods can be as addictive as as most harmful drugs, also an interesting study. As Uh, somebody who is developing a really successful dad bod, that's very true. (laughs) That's all I got to (laughs) say. What else? We got a a very, very unique story out of Alaska Airlines and a dispute that is going to court, you know, a, a dispute between uh, a union uh, a mechanic who was fired for testing positive for THC. He said he hadn't consumed THC knowingly, but he went to a party and someone had infused foods and he didn't know. Uh, so again, all these stories on Benzinga.com slash cannabis, you can check them after this show. Wow. And Alaska more, Airlines uh, in the news you, twice today. Did you hear uh, about Alaska Airlines this morning? Mm-hmm. Weird. Weird. Uh, I've never chatted about Alaska Airlines in my life, and I've talked about it twice today. <laughs> but well, let's hope the right side wins. Uh, I have a few stock things that I, I'll, I'll we'll touch on when we get an investor on here to chat with us and Morgan. Um, you know, something that was interesting that I think Morgan can also talk with us about is the tax revenue decline. However, some states saw a nice surge. But is there anything else, Javi, uh, that you want to point out that people can find on Benzinga.com? Slash cannabis. Uh, Wu-Tang Kwan's Ray Kwan has joined forces with Charlemagne the God to launch or or actually transform Newark with a hash story as Cannabis Revolution, as we titled the story. It's, of course, a dispensary in uh, New Jersey in Hashtoria. 
and a recommendation for anyone who's interested in cannabis stocks. I recommend that you check out marketfy.com for our awesome product, Benzinga Pot Profits, led by genius stock picker, Michael Berger. Um, honestly, fantastic platform. Go check it out. Uh, yeah, I love it, y'all. And uh, we're all going to be rich because of it. And yeah, I can bet to you that somebody wants you to invest in a tier one MSO on this call. Um, maybe based out of Chicago. Maybe they just relisted on a different exchange. Um, but all that said, y'all, let's bring on Morgan Paxia. We'll chat about a few mm -hmm. items before we get into our interviews. Mm -hmm. What up, Morgan? How you doing, bud? Thanks for having me on for Verano Week. Glad to yeah, be man. And then I, I didn't even finish Verano Week. We're starting with Aaron and Darren today. And then on Thursday, we're chatting with Dave Spreckman. David Spreckman, the head of C, the brands and CMO uh, of Verano. That was nice. terrible grammar. I swear Good I'm going to do better, y'all. I promise. Um, I, mean, I got to go to their uh, new offices when we were in town for Benzinga. Very, very cool spot. Nice. Great job. Very nice. Uh, well, kind of jealous. You didn't invite me, Aaron and Darren, backstage. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just saying. Just saying. All right, man. I, I have a quick question. Before we dive into stocks here, do you pay much attention to like the biotech cannabis stocks, the pharma cannabis stocks out there? I I don't. Um, you know, Patrick has a little more affinity to it here, you know, Poseidon. Um, you know, there's, I'm a big believer of focus. And uh, I feel like that's just a whole nother category. You know, I kind of think of it like similar to psilocybin kind of stuff where, you know, biotech is, you need to raise a ton of cash. Uh, mm -hmm. You have a lot of uncertainty, you know, maybe there's a positive outcome. Most of the time, not. It's it's a tricky proposition. I feel like there's enough to tackle with technology companies and operating companies. And I just think that that's better to focus on. You know, just Fair enough. I do think it's worth calling out that InMed up 143% today. Uh, a biotech focus on rare cannabinoids, and they found a selected a lead Alzheimer's drug candidate following positive proof of, proof of concept study. So, who knows? Maybe something there, my friend. Yeah. Uh, but all I mean, that's that said, been around for a very long time. I remember, yes, they have. from like 13, 2013, I think they were, you know, around and just kind of plodding along, getting some capital in and doing things. You know what I mean? And that's yeah, it's so good for them. I, yeah, I have uh, that they've been making some progress in the last year or two. I have well, Bay Medica spoke on the rare cannabinoid ingredients at, at our Chicago event as well. Uh, and they're seeing a lot of success right now, working with some cool companies. All that said, Morgan, what, what what's your eye on this week? Oh, boy. Well, I think this is going to be a pretty interesting week, but uh, wait to say anything more on that for now. But um, you can't, yeah, you can't, I mean, you can't give us more. You can't give us. Uh, you heard it here first on Benzinga Cannabis oh, Insider. I would love to. I, would love to <laughs> I am not privy to uh, to do anything like that, but uh, not this time. Uh, I know I gave a, a late breaking story. Uh, you know, what was it? One of the first ones I did with you guys. Um, but uh, I, you know, it was interesting. I was reading. Um, I love Benzinga Cannabis. Um, it's one of my websites I go to every single day. Um, so great content there. Um, but I was also reading this morning about, um, it was actually on, and not to quote another publication, but uh, I think it was on Green Market Report talking about uh, retail and um, consumers uh, preferring a store, 57% 50, of consumers choose a store that is near them. 
and not necessarily that, you know, so just to me is like, you know, from a capital allocation perspective, like all these people that overcapitalize these retail stores, it's like, no, you know, just make sure you have retail 101, make sure it's in a good location, it's easy to get to, and, and providing increasing access is such a key to the growth of this industry. I'm sure the Verano guys could talk a lot about this because they've done a lot of work in retail. Um, but getting those key locations and getting them open and being mm -hmm. very mindful about the dollars spent because the consumers right now where we are in that life cycle is just being able to get legal access is pretty darn good enough. And so just don't overspend. So that's something, you know, we've talked a lot about. I talked about this at Benzinga as well. Uh, retail mm -hmm. is something that is very intriguing to us uh, because we are just um, so far behind in so many states in getting doors open. Um, Illinois has, has made some good progress. I meant to say uh, New Jersey, um, you know, they are like what half of what their license count should be for doors open. Um, and, and every state we see this where doors don't get open relative to capacity getting built, we see pricing come down. So retail remains of, uh, you know, real interest to us. Um, it's not easy, but it's a, of interest to us. So mm -hmm. I thought that was a great uh, data point. And it's actually interesting, right? Uh, uh... A different figure came out. The, the, the Morgan was quoting um, this data. It's from Brightfield Group, by the way. I want to shout them out. They, they do very interesting research. There was another great data point uh, out of Uruguay, uh, who, as you may know, is you know that was the first country to federally legalize adult use cannabis. And you know, about ten years into this, uh, now more than fifty percent of Uruguayan cannabis consumers prefer to buy their cannabis legally. Right. Uh, which shows that it does take time, right? But at the same time, it is the conversion that we were expecting, right? You know, a lot of people go like, yeah, no, I, I, I still prefer my plug. You know, I prefer the bigger butts, this and that. But as things progress, what we see is people always opt for convenience, right? That's why uh, gas stations still, say, you know, manage to sell a bunch of overpriced milk, why bodegas continue to exist, why neighborhood stores exist, why Amazon thrives, it's because people like convenience. 100%. Nailed it. I totally, yeah. Just well said. Well, and part, you know, kind of associating that back to, you know, some of the bigger markets here, you know, somebody told me probably like three or four months ago that you know, we don't have enough retail in California. You know, it, it's incredibly hard and competitive market. Uh, there's a lot of operators out there, but we need more if we're going to compete with the black market. Is that something that rings true to you in multiple states or is California um, unique? So California still has a tremendous amount of municipalities that are just weed deserts. There's just nothing. There's no, mm -hmm. uh, they are opted out. Um, we have a kind of a weird dynamic where some of the cities in California um, over license retail and then they saturate themselves that doesn't help. Um, some have limited license programs. Those are thriving. Um, but the problem, the big problem is, is the, the vast amount of uh, lack of access in California. And so naturally the, the illicit market is there readily waiting to, you know, offer bountiful amounts of cannabis coming out of Northern California, really out of all over California at this point. Um, and it's really just an access thing. Look at Michigan. I mean, they are what are they on? Like basically like 40 doors, new doors opening net, new doors opening on a quarterly basis. Phenomenal. They are just penetrating that market, even at low prices. Um, they're getting access open and it's and it's working. 
Um, and I just, I love Michigan from the standpoint that um, lower pricing can still be a viable market with scale. And this was something that was talked about at the Terracent Investor Day. Um, Ziad was talking quite a bit about that as like, it's a state that's he thinks is super interesting for them because they, he wants to get significant scale, 50, 60, 70 doors in that state for him is, is nothing coming from Walgreens. Um, anyway, so the, yeah, so that's, California is a, a weird beast. I mean, look at New York too. Um, there's very few legal licensed doors open. So there's a monstrous illicit market um, selling out of bodegas, obviously you're talking about too, you know, doing all kinds of crazy stuff uh, because consumers want access. Mm -hmm. We got to keep this segment tight today, but I do imagine we're going to have something to talk about next Tuesday uh, with, with whatever news is breaking. You kind of heard it here first on Benzinga <laughs> Cannabis. Um, <laughs> all that said, Morgan, I do have one more question for you. Um, you know, I think all of us here are familiar with Dama Financial, um, you know, a financial company and service to the cannabis industry. Today announced they're purchasing uh, a digital e-commerce platform, Candid AI, that helps you pick personalized selections uh, in your checkout process. Uh, it'll integrate with their POS system, but I'm curious, what's your initial reaction? Since you have a good understanding of the ancillary space, to me, when I first read this, and I have a lot of respect for the Dama crew, um, you know, I thought seems a little bit of a, you know, a, an addition, a stretch to what they were already doing. I'm curious what your thoughts are. Yeah, it's really interesting how these tech companies are trying to figure out this whole AI thing into their business models. Uh, I think they are, you know, trying to find a way to stand out. POS is one of the most cutthroat, aggressive, competitive sectors of the tech sleeve. Right. Um, you know, you got Dutchy just giving away product, trying to keep market share. You know, it's it's a very competitive space. Um, so trying to do something that breaks through the noise a little bit might be give them a, a different angle, a different talking point with trying to win over more retail. Um, I don't really I don't know anything about that candid AI. I did read that first on, on Benzinga.com slash cannabis. So um, I did see that there. And, you know, I, I've known the Growflow team, uh, you know, since they basically started, we knew Dama since they started. So um, they do like to be acquisitive. Um, seems like that's kind of their their approach is trying to build a larger uh, ecosystem uh, via acquisition. So we'll have to see how how it plays out. Um, like I said, I hadn't seen Candidate AI in the market though, so I can't really speak to you know does it do something unique and different. But I I don't blame them um, as we may have talked about. Uh, two is where we have been seeing most of M&A in our industry this year has been in tech and has been trying to get more scale. Um, it's private, so you don't get to see much insight into it, uh, but it is where we are seeing most of the activity and expect that to be the case um, because these tech companies need to get more scale. And that's, um, um, you know, really that's how it's happening is on the private side because there's really not much on the public side from uh, uh, Canvas tech. It's good insights. It's really good insights. Um, you know, so everything this week, it's interesting to see how companies are, are, are still looking at M&A. Uh, there's so much going on, but that's something that we shouldn't lose too much sight of. Um, you know, looking at whatever news you're talking about, can you guarantee us that MSOS is going to go up this week? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I can, He's I like, can, I don't want to be sued today, Elliot. <laughs> yeah, I, can, I can tell you one thing. It's going to go up. It's going to go down. It's going to go sideways. It's, it's going to do all the things, so... Uh, you just don't know which way first. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Morgan, I think that's it for us today, man. But honestly, I'm incredibly excited for next Tuesday's discussion. Um, anything else you want to leave our audience with as we as we look toward the rest of the week? No, have a good week and, uh, you know, 
just uh, stay classy. Now that I'm down here in San Diego, I get to say that, right? <laughs> Morgan Paxi is a managing partner for Poseidon Investment Management. Catch him every Tuesday on Benzinga Cannabis Insider at 1 p.m. Eastern and whatever time it is on Pacific time. I think it's like 10 a.m. there. You did awesome. good, Avi. You did good. Yeah. Thanks, Morgan. Appreciate you. We're going to keep this clipping. Next up, we have another super interesting guest. Sherry Reyes is the CEO and co-founder of Anthea. Mr. AT, look her for all. I love hearing that twice. Sherry, what's up? How are you? Welcome in. I'm wonderful. How are you guys doing? We are doing good. We're doing real, real good. I am very excited for this. I, I do want to get into what your company does, but I have a question for you. Yes. Um, I actually had a conversation today uh, about a company that's creating a, a research report comparing CBD yes. to psilocybin. Obviously, yes. I mean, We're different. I'd love to get, I, listen, I have my own thoughts. I'm sure everybody has thoughts on this, and I understand we all probably are in agreement, but from your just knowledge it, it is it is but uh, what do you think about that question so um to be very upfront and transparent i know very little about cbd um and it, it i think a lot of people don't know much yeah <laughs> um, i'm not super familiar on and haven't read a lot about the effects of cbd however as um a layman or you know in in my whatever experience I do have, I do know that they have very different mechanisms of action. So from my understanding, um, psilocybin, we know works on the brain serotonin receptors, and it leads to an altered state of consciousness, consciousness, and like a hallucinogenic experience. And CBD is a non psychoactive compound. Um, and I think works, you guys would know better than me, but with the cannabinoid system, in the body, um, so produces more of a physiological and partially psychological results. I do know that um, CBD has been found to alleviate symptoms of anxiety, depression, and stress, but I haven't seen um, any of the clinical studies on the like magnitude of that effect. Uh, versus with psilocybin, I know that with psilocybin-assisted therapy, specifically not just the recreational use of psilocybin, but psilocybin-assisted therapy in very high doses. There are tons of clinical trials um, that show profound therapeutic benefits for mental health conditions like depression, anxiety, PTSD, and addiction. And what we've seen with psilocybin is that this helps get, because it works on the serotonin receptors and increases neuroplasticity, it helps get to the root cause of people's trauma and depression and underlying conditions. So do you want to tell us a little bit about uh, Anthea and what you're doing? Because it's so interesting and I had a bunch of follow-ups, but like, you know, give us a little bit of an overview of what you're doing. Yeah. So Anthea was created um, and exists to help create benefit plans for employers for psychedelic healthcare and innovative mental health treatment. Um, what a world to live in. I know, right? Isn't it, isn't it amazing? Like um, a block of words, so unexpected. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it definitely unexpected. Um, and essentially what we're doing is we see that there are some very innovative mental health treatments. Obviously, we're especially interested in psychedelic therapy, starting with ketamine assisted therapy, but open like, you know, even you bringing up cannabis, like I want to learn more about 
cannabis and its effect on effects on mental health. And we know that a lot of these innovative treatments that are proven to be safe and effective are not covered by insurance carriers and they are expensive out of pocket for people. Mm -hmm. so most people don't have access to them. So we've created ways for employers to easily add these on as benefit offerings to their employees. Um, so people do have access. That's really, really interesting. Um, you know, something about psychedelics just is incredibly exciting. And that being the, the mental health epidemic that we're facing right now, you know, when it, when I, when it comes to plant-based medicine, it really feels like there's people that are building both the cannabis space and the psychedelic space based upon the medicine that it has been to them. In regards to the psilocybin space and psychedelic space at large, it really seems like um, it's going to continue on that route. When it comes to the market share that, say, psilocybin is eating into or um, psychedelics will eventually take, you know, I, is that going to be opioids, traditional pharma at large? Will it become pharmaceuticals and pharma, pharma companies will engage in the development of psilocybin drugs? Where do you think this industry is going gonna, is gonna to end up at at its peak? Yeah, I think that um, with the widespread adoption of psychedelic assisted therapy, of course, larger, larger pharma companies will be interested in creating their own molecules. They'll probably, and we've already seen this, start being interested in creating um, additional molecules that maybe have less or no hallucinogenic component. But I think ultimately, if this movement and this treatment is successful, we will get people off of SSRIs. Um, so they'll be less dependent on SSRIs over time. Like this is not something that will happen overnight, but you know, in the next decade or so, we will see less of a spend and less consumption of SSRIs, more use of psychedelics. Um, but ultimately people not having to do long-term use of psychedelics, there'll be compounds that'll be created probably by big pharma and other companies that will be given to people who need them so that they can eventually get cured. Like I think the important thing mm -hmm. to psychedelics is this is like not just treating symptoms but it's curative well then as a business owner in the psychedelic space can you just give us a sense of well we're all very familiar with the cannabis capital markets they've been garbage um when it comes to psychedelics it seems like there has been an uptick in interest in the space recently do you see that as accurate is is discussions with investors been more positive in, in the last few months so it's been interesting. I think uh, in 2022, there was, you know, $500 million or half a billion dollars uh, put towards, you know, in psychedelic capital. So invested in psychedelic businesses. I could be wrong on that number. That's just something I read. And there are many different numbers out there on, on the internet. Um, but um, what I've noticed is while investors are very excited uh, about the psychedelic Space. And while a lot of the early investors in the psychedelic space are also huge proponents and believers of psychedelics. So it's a little bit different than, you know, large institutional investors where they're kind of agnostic. Early investors in the psychedelic space are usually people who have had and experienced some sort of benefit from psychedelic therapy themselves. Um, while that is all there and, and really great, we are also seeing um, a tightening of the funding in the space because uh, to be honest, a lot of 
biotech companies were formed and, you know, biotech companies take a long time to show any kind of revenue or results. And then a lot of ketamine providers and clinics were created. And um, this is a business model that's been hard to scale so far. So we've seen a lot of investment into ketamine clinics. And then we've seen some of, some of these kind of ketamine clinics go out of business as well. So there is like um, a sentiment maybe of, you know, how do we invest our capital wisely and into infrastructure and not to plug in Anthea, but I think Anthea in that way is a great investment because we're helping solve for that infrastructure component and, and reimbursement. I mean, and honestly, you you tapped into into a uh, an area that that was pretty untapped as it relates to employee benefits, right? You know, we we know that ketamine has been used off label for decades to treat things like depression, right? However, what you managed to do last year with with Dr. Bronner's is uh, convince a huge mainstream company to embrace ketamine assisted therapy, right? It's not. Uh, some small company. It's not like the 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 newest, you know, tech startup in Silicon Valley. It's a pretty traditional company, right? It's it's, it's mainstream retail. Tell us a little bit about that process. How you convince them to embrace this, and and you know, looking back at the past year, you know, some of your conclusions from. Yeah. Um, so actually, you're right that um, Dr. Bronner's is a mainstream sort of traditional company in the sense that they create. Um, organic soaps and you can buy them anywhere from, I think, like Walmart to Amazon, like it's a very mainstream company. And at the same time, there's something telling from their leadership in that um, their le leadership and their CEO, David Bronner, um, is a huge advocate uh, for psychedelic therapy. There is a workplace culture at Dr. Bronner's where they prioritize employees' well-being. So there are a lot of things that go on behind the scenes. And we're seeing this not just in Dr. Bronner's, but in the other our other customers and the other companies that are in our pipeline. Even we have some Fortune 100 companies that we're talking to, but we've noticed that this is a common theme, that there's someone in a leadership role that truly believes in taking, maybe they haven't had a psychedelic experience, but they really do care about their employees' well-being and mental health. So that Mm -hmm. makes it a much easier sell. And then um, when we talk to some other companies where perhaps they haven't had a psychedelic experience or this is foreign to them, it's still a very relatively easy sell in the sense that almost everyone can relate and resonate with the pain points of mental health. And by that, I mean, if I was selling dental mm -hmm. insurance, as an employee benefit, I don't think I'd be on the call being like, oh, let's talk about cavities. Like, I, I mean, <laughs> but when I, when we're talking to even people in HR who are decision makers in this space about mental health, you know, unfortunately the world we live in today, one in two people are suffering from a mental health condition or mental health. They're suffering from some sort of mental health stress at least. And so people can easily resonate. Amen. Yeah. Uh, Sherry, I mean, what you're doing is incredibly important and, and we need more solutions like yours and more access to those solutions. So uh, I, I wish you the speediest uh, of expansion and growth uh, in, in what you're doing. For sure. Yeah, exactly. It's It's been fun to watch. But Sherry, congratulations on your partnership on, on how you're growing the company. I'd love to check in with you as we continue to grow. And uh, psychedelics is an incredibly important space. And, and um, as El Guapo Tron 4000 in the comments said, the people want the research and therapy options. Give it to us. So Sherry, thank you again for joining us. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much for having me. Have a great day. You too. You too. Bye.
Awesome. Javi, I mean, we, we started with Morgan Paxi. We got some great investment uh, and industry conversation. We go to Sherry, a phenomenal real estate footprint or uh, a therapy footprint uh, when it comes to the space. But we're not done at all. I'm so excited to chat with Aaron Miles and Darren Weiss from Verano uh, about what they've been up to recently. Aaron Thomas, bring it on over. Aaron and Darren, I'm not going to make a joke about it, but I got to tell you, I'm thinking of them right now. Thanks for sticking with us, guys. How are you? Good. How are you guys doing? Great. Thanks so much. We're good. We're good. Oh, and you're the king of alliteration and rhymes, Aaron and Darren. Thanks for bearing with us. <laughs> <laughs> he had to take it there. He's the writer. We're sitting here staring, you know. Ah, at the look at this. <laughs> yeah, we were just saying we need some type of intro for ourselves. We'll come up with something creative Your for our next, uh, you know, our next uh, intro. No, Jen, so. I'm so happy to have you with us. And honestly, like it's a story we've been covering for a few weeks now uh, is the excitement of you all moving to SIBO Canada or the Neo Stock Exchange. Tell us about it. Why? Yeah. When was the decision? Why was the decision? Just give us a little background. Yeah. Uh, and then I'll start and then I'll obviously turn it over to Darren here. So, you know, big move for the company. Right. And, you know, there's no coincidence, you know, the timing of this. Right. You think about the HHS recommendation. We all huddled internally. But this isn't something that, you know, we worked on for you know a minute and then decided to make this move. We've been looking at what our next move in the capital market space was going to look like as a whole. Right. And so Neo on its own, very impressive exchange. But really what tipped the scales for us were two things. It was the HHS recommendation and the SIBO kind of firepower behind it. Right. And for those that don't know SIBO, it's one of the largest equity platforms in the world. It's in 26 markets. It has 14 percent equity market share in the U.S. compared to you know 16 for Nasdaq and 17 to 18 for the NYSE. So you start to think about a relatively unknown player in the corporate listings business, but a very strong player in futures and options. So you think about the technology and and really the firepower that they have and can you know bring to the neo now Cebo Canada. Um, it, it's really one of the the biggest components to to what we wanted to partner in, and you know the the biggest. Um, aspect of all of this is being in the SIBO network. So think about HHS, what this can potentially mean. We now have um, what we feel is going to be a very quick pathway into the U.S. if we get a thumbs up from a U.S. market perspective. And and so very excited about this move. Um, you know, I, I saw the debate of uplisting. What do we call this? Um, this is an uplisting for us, but it's also a graduation to a senior exchange. So we have senior exchange status. We're meeting all the requirements to transition into the U.S., which is huge for us. Uh, eligibility for index inclusion, MSCI and FTSE, so you can bring in some more liquidity and have it, you know, kind of inadvertent exposure into some of the larger players, the Black Rocks and Vanguards of the world, tighter parameters around predatory trading. And, you know, one of the biggest components, and I'll, I'll pass it off to Darren here, is really not having to restructure our business. Uh, I think, you know, being able to operate as is, um, was another major component uh, for this for us. But I'll, I'll turn it over to Darren here. Yeah, yeah, thanks, Aaron. And Javier, Elliot, great to uh, great to be on the show. This is a first time for me, so. Hey, uh, welcome. We're, we're sitting here in a, a hotel bedroom, you know, sharing, uh, <laughs> sharing intimate thoughts. I, I appreciate it, guys. Um, yeah, look, this, as Aaron said, this is super exciting. I, I, I think that um, it's funny. I heard the intro and in, just in terms of the way that you guys are, are thinking and talking about um, about SIBO Canada and referring to the NEO, um, I think is indicative just of, of some uh, 
just you know some misunderstandings about about what this is and what this really does. So as Aaron said, the Siebel platform, uh, one of the world's largest uh, equity and trading platforms in the world. From our perspective, what we are interested in um, is not short-term flashes in the pan. It's it's how do we position the company to take advantage of this momentous shift that's taking place nationally and internationally as it relates to cannabis. Um, all of us, um, our, our uh, management, our, our, uh, our board of directors, our shareholders, um, folks like you, industry watchers, we all want a position for uh, access to U.S. markets. We want to be on U.S. exchanges. We want access to U.S. institutional investors. And we know sitting here today that we can't get there. And the reasons that we can't get there are have nothing to do with what we're doing. It has to do with uh, federal law, policy, uh, in some case, just just sort of folks being scared of their own shadow, which is a topic for another day. However, what I'll tell you is that uh, what this does for us moving to a senior exchange is this gives us the fastest and easiest path to uh, U.S. exchange status when that catalyst comes. So the moment that SIBO U.S., is comfortable with um, us being uh, tapped into their platform. It's a switch that they're able to, to, to flip. We get access to that equity platform, a, a platform that's got market share close to NYSE and NASDAQ. If we want to move to NYSE or NASDAQ, we fill out a form and with 48, within 48 hours, we're moved over to another exchange. Um, so we have the fastest path uh, where we are. Aaron talked about restructuring the business. We started talking to the TSX several years ago, just mm -hmm. thinking about um, the various custody issues, the senior exchange status, um, in addition to NEO back before SIBO uh, acquired the exchange. Um, and one of the things that was very clear to us about T TSX is that it required for us some pretty significant changes to the way in which, number one, uh, we are organized, and number two, the way that we operate. And what I mean by that is um, TSX still does not permit uh, U.S. plant touching or THC touching businesses to list directly on the exchange. So it would require, require us to have uh, a, a business that was non-U.S. THC, um, which met the listing requirements. It would require that business to have a separate management and governance structure from the U.S. THC business. It would mean that we could not utilize uh, or leverage our publicly traded paper on TSX to make acquisitions. Anyone who's familiar with Verano knows that we're have historically been an incredibly acquisitive company. Um, we would have limitations in terms of doing equity raises and utilizing that paper um, to the extent that the equity markets are, are, uh, are favorable um, because cash can't move from the parent uh, down to the subsidiary. And so for us, it was a non-starter. Um, we're not interested, as I said, in flashes in the pan. Um, we're interested in making sure that we have a structure that, number one, positions us for success today, and number two, best positions us for success in the world to come. And this really checked all of our boxes. Frankly, it was a no-brainer for us. Didn't require any restructuring of the business. We had already taken the step um, beginning uh, a little over a year ago to uh, ensure that our business meets various governance and other standards um, that would allow us to list on NASDAQ. And so being able to move to this uh, senior exchange and comply with those standards, many of which were based on the NASDAQ listing standards, um, is, uh, is, is certainly, uh, I think, something that I'm certainly very proud of in terms of what our team has accomplished and certainly very excited about, about what's to come. Yeah, and something real quick that have you to touch on as well is is you know one component I forgot is also the designated market maker model of of the SIBO Canada right like you have people that are overseeing your stock which we did not have 
at the mm -hmm. prior exchange. And you also have kind of like paid liquidity providers, which also can help, you know. Um, so over time, you know, we're hoping that that resonates in the liquidity, uh, especially once you start to get some more exposure with the, uh, you know, index eligibility. And, you know, another component to this, you know, and, and we do get the question a lot is about custody, right? And, and TSX, you know, there is some headlines, um, you know, for custody and, and, you know, the rules and regs for banking was written back in the day where, you know, NYSC, NASDAQ, TSX, and TSX Venture listed companies get automatic U.S. bank custody. Well, there's an argument to be made that SIBO U.S. at a bare minimum should be included in that given it's a tried and true U.S. exchange. So, you know, we, we very much have encouraged uh, kind of a revisitation of those you know, rules and regs. Uh, so that's one component. But, you know, let's be clear here and, and then, you know, I'll, I'll shut up. But, uh, you know, the TSX, you know, SIBO Canada, you know, they're not even, you know, they're very, these are strong steps for all the companies in, in the cannabis space. But when you start to layer in like the level of significance at the, you know, the NYSE, NASDAQ, SIBO, US, it's not even comparable, right? Like the US capital markets can't be compared to the Canadian capital markets. Mm -hmm. So these are all nice steps for businesses right, uh, to align ahead of U.S. market inclusion. Um, but now it's going to be a race to, to get across that U.S. border. And, and for us, you know, to have to unwind and, and, and unwind and restructure the business, you know, the, the way that Darren had just talked about could be, you know, very timely. So we're, we're very happy about this move uh, and we'll continue to, to, you know, look at what our next step's going to be. What, what does that, that border crossing look like, right? Because you mentioned it several times. Um, what, what do you foresee happening, right? Because I, I, I completely understand this being like a, a preemptive play, right? To be ready for whenever the U.S. opens the floodgates. But when does that happen? Because the CBOE U.S. so far has signaled no interest in listing cannabis stocks. New York Stock Exchange and NASDAQ clearly state that they won't take any plant-touching uh, companies uh, operating in the U.S., as long as they remain federally illegal. So what is the timeline really? Is there is there a, a any any sort of estimate here as to to when any of these happen these things happen? Look at, look at these. They're asking Morgan about if MSOS is going to be up this week, and now you're asking for timing of U.S. capital markets. I mean, but mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, the media platform. Yeah, if we if we had that answer, we wouldn't be sitting here, right? I mean, <laughs> we, so look, I the here's the here's the real answer. The real answer, uh, of course, is we don't know. Um, um, but the 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 corollary to that is that we know that it is coming. Um, Yes, it's true. The exchanges you mentioned are not uh, currently looking at listing uh, US THC businesses. But there was an article out this morning uh, as well that SIBO uh, US has been actively lobbying for SAFE. Um, and so we know um, that this is something that they are looking at. We know that uh, we've been in talks with, with NASDAQ and NYSE and these other exchanges. This is on their radar. They are looking to pounce um, and they're they're waiting for um, some additional comfort uh, as it relates to uh, various custodial and regulatory issues. Um, and so the idea here is, um, number one, not to be reliant on those changes in terms of the way that we operate our business, um, just like we don't manage the business quarter to quarter, just like we don't manage the business by looking at our stock price, we manage the business for long-term value. Um, but at the same time, we need to be prepared. And this is about preparation. When that day comes, we will be ready for it. Um, when that day, uh, you know, I, if you're asking me at what month time, uh, you know, whether it's going to be raining outside, and you know, I'm sorry, I, I, <laughs> I don't have that. Uh, I don't have that foresight. Unfortunately. Between now and 2090, that's what we'll say. Yeah. So, okay. You know, 
Yeah, I'm going to hold you to it. Yeah, you're going to hold me to it. I'm going to hold you to it, Aaron. By then, I had much bigger problems. But uh, no, and I would say this as well. Like, you know, I worked at the New York Stock Exchange, right? And and I ran, you know, listings in the Midwest. And to get companies to move over, like I had slam dunk opportunities to, you know, get people to transition from NASDAQ over to NYSE. It was an industrials company and I couldn't get them to move. And I was working for like the Mecca of capital markets. And so you start to think about getting a U.S. corporate listings business up and running. There is a lot of incentive to, to pay really close attention to a very big group of very highly successful and underrated companies in cannabis right now. And, and it could really kind of be an anchor uh, if you're looking at, you know, really getting a U.S. corporate listings business established. I mean, look what happened to IEX back in the day. It failed miserably, right? And if you don't have listing fees coming in, um, luckily for you know, a SIBO, they, they definitely have other businesses that are, you know, keeping the doors open. But if you really want to get this corporate listings business um, up and running, you know, they can have a flood of us, you know, moving into the U.S. market. So we'll stay close. Um, as I said, this is not our, our final move. And Darren, it, you know, it echoed this as well. But like, we're always looking at what our next steps are going to be. You can never rest in this space. Mm -hmm. I'm into that. Um, so guys, I just, I appreciate you being so generous with your time and sticking with us here. Um, what was the reaction, I would say, to shareholders, to to, uh, to stakeholders, to people within the business and outside the business? Um, I would imagine it was decently positive, but uh, can you give us any more insights into, um, you know, just general reaction to yeah. you all uplisting placebo? Sure. Yeah, I can start here. Um, you know, generally very, very positive, right? I think people um, have been frustrated with the trading environment that we had to operate in. Uh, dark pools, naked shorts. I mean, you know, and there's not a lot of information out there uh, really with the information behind what's driving a lot of those forces. So for us to make this move, to partner with the SIBO, to really focus on the trading aspect, you know, and tighten up some of that predatory trading, I think was step number one. But getting the senior exchange status, um, you know, and, and getting into that SIBO network, I think was very, very well received. And this isn't just because we're on the show. Um, I really didn't receive a lot of negative feedback, you know, on, on the move. I think people look at it as a very solid step. And, you know, they, you know, when we can clearly lay out what SIBO is as a whole, I don't think people who aren't in futures and options really understand how large of an exchange it actually is. So when you can actually start to layer that this is not a, you know, a, a NEO upstart or an IEX upstart, like this is now fueled by a very long and successful and historic equity exchange. Like, you know, I think it's resonated well with the people that we've talked to. Yeah. Well, gents, I mean, it's been really impressive to watch you all navigate a very tough environment. So congrats <laughs> on the uplisting. I know it's a lot of work uh, that, that you all have had to do to put into it, but also, uh, you know, very strategic move. We love the SIBO team over here. They're great partners to Benzinga. So, uh, you know, we very much you know, support and love the move and, you know, tell Eric hi next time you talk to him. Yeah, I, but, I talk to him almost daily, but, uh, and, and, and Elliot Javi, you guys are more than welcome at our office. I, I heard, I heard it. I heard it. Elliot, so. <laughs> but you have to bring lion's tickets for me. That's, you know, you know, I'm a, you know, <laughs> done, done. Hey, they're actually worth watching this year. I know. Um, yeah. <laughs> thank God. But Darren, Aaron, I'm sure tons more we can talk about, but we'll keep the conversation going. We'll keep Great. it going with David on Thursday. Uh, thank you so much for being here. I will follow up in 2089 uh, or my junior <laughs> will. Uh, <laughs> but until then, uh, you guys do well. We'll see you soon. This was the one. This guy's Elliot third in 2089. Yeah, Elliot the third. He's got to go through my daughter, I guess. Um, but all that said, Javi, 
lot of good conversations today, man. Honestly, I know we went a little over. Appreciate Darren and Aaron just sticking with us and having that conversation with us, but incredibly valuable information there. Oh, yeah. I guess Avi agreed. I guess Avi agrees with me. All right, Oguapo Throne, thank you so much for tuning in. Anthony Verrill, appreciate you. LinkedIn user, I don't see your name, but appreciate you as well. Uh, we'll see you again on Thursday. A couple more awesome interviews for you. Until then, check out our other episodes. We did an awesome one with Green Check Verified a couple weeks ago. It's been very well received. Check it out. We'll see you again Thursday. Peace.